This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Java Chapman here this morning with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today is going to be all about fishing and fishing during COVID-19. We're going to welcome Larry Bull, assistant director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks to the show a little bit later. He's going to talk Talk about how anglers should handle fishing during the coronavirus pandemic and how his office is helping to make sure everyone is lawful and safe. And as always, like I said, joined by Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And we want to say good morning to them now. Good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Good morning, Jennifer. Yeah, thank you guys for um, being here today. And as always, walking me through this uh, process of guest hosting. I'm filling in for Kevin this morning. I'm usually behind the board. So um, I think we're going to make a make a go of it this morning. Oh, yeah. So, Dr. Major, I, um, I assume you're at the clinic this morning since you're not in the studio. How are things, um, you know, continuing to progress as you have switched up your um, uh, day-to-day duties at the at the clinic? You know, everything's going going pretty well. If you can hear in the background some dogs barking, I, I always <laughs> felt like that if you walked into a clinic and you didn't hear anything that uh, either dogs were sedated or <laughs> something was wrong so we've got some that are pretty loud this morning so you may be picking up on that uh over the phone line but yeah we we're staying uh relatively busy we're not uh too bad here and we still use the curbside uh approach where uh technician or kennel worker goes out and uh, brings the animal in we look at it and uh then call back and discuss, you know, with the owner what's going on and what we need to do. And I know you've talked about this before, but um, I just, you know, feel it's important to keep bringing this up. Um, as time goes by, I guess it's only natural that more and more uh, animals are are testing positive for, for COVID-19. Some, you know, reports from around the country with uh, pet cats and I even think a, a pet dog uh, had some mild symptoms of COVID-19. But as we have said on the show, um, they are what you would consider maybe a dead end host as in they cannot pass along anything COVID-19 to to any humans. As we, as we understand it and uh, try to stay abreast of any news that may may be coming coming forth, uh, the uh, the dog that tested positive for the COVID-19 was a little pug. Most people have probably seen that on TV or heard it on the radio and uh Apparently, the little dog is fine, uh, and according to everything that we've been able to uh, ascertain, it is not be able to spread to people. Uh, there have been some cases where uh, they don't know where the exposure came from, so it makes sense to maintain our, uh, what should I say, social distance even when we're out walking our pets. And if you have someone in the household with COVID-19, uh, to isolate the pets away from that person as well. Yeah, wouldn't it, I think that's just a general role for all all persons, you know, with COVID nineteen or come in contact with someone uh, with COVID nineteen, just to socially isolate from your, you know, family, loved ones, and your pets. 
And I'll emphasize, emphasize in, in people, and of course, you know, you go out and go to a grocery store or something, and probably about 50% of the people have uh, mask and protective gear on. Uh, I really feel strongly that we need in public to uh, have those masks on and even go to the extreme, if it is an extreme, of wearing gloves as well, because I think it's just uh, common sense that you need to be protected uh, and by being protected, you're protecting your pets too. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. Now, Libby, I know um, um, I, Dr. Major made the comment about hearing the dogs in the background in the past couple of shows since you've been uh, broadcasting from home. We've been hearing your um, lovely birds in the background. Um, <laughs> but I was curious about what, what are you not seeing outside of your window? I know you tell us about some of the birds that you are seeing, but um, what, are, what are some birds that you're not seeing and maybe uh, are waiting to see? Oh, goodness. Um, my peleated woodpecker has not come by this morning, and I'm wondering where that might be because I usually hear him in the morning. And I didn't hear the wood thrush this morning, and I usually hear that every morning and every evening, but we might all hear that in a little while. I'm watching indigo buntings and rose-breasted grosbeaks on the feeder. Oh, and I do need to mention some butterfly, I guess, just to get people looking for those two. Monarchs are still around a lot. And uh, so if you've got milkweed, look for them and look for their caterpillars and eggs and protect them if you can. If you want to take on a project of raising monarchs, it's... It, um, it's some responsibility because you've got to have enough food for the caterpillars to eat, and it has to be milkweed leaves. But if you want to do that, I know there's several families in the um, area that are doing so. Uh, get online and read about it, and it's a fun thing to do. What's come out this week that um, I've enjoyed seeing are the, what we call angle wing butterflies, and uh, they have a real irregular edge to the wing, and when they close up, they look like a leaf mimic. But then when they open up their wings, it is a beautiful combination of oranges and yellows and browns. And now some of the same colors that a monarch would have, but they're very different. So don't, you know, you shouldn't get those two confused. And what I'm seeing are called question mark and commas because they both just, I guess that's a strange more likely if they're in hand, you notice the question mark or the comma. But uh, as a general rule, when you just see them in your yard, you're going to notice that when they close up, they disappear. And then when they open up, they're a pretty orange color. Well, I know. That's neat. Excuse me. Yeah. That's neat uh, because, you know, when you look at them closely, you can actually see the little comma and uh, or the question mark. And it's, it's an excellent uh, butterfly to be watching for. Uh, the other butterflies that are real common and seems to be uh, in this time of year and really all summer is the red spotted purple. Uh, yes, yes, they, we're seeing a lot fairly, of those. They're fairly common. And then the hackberry butterfly is very common as well. And you'll see those. It's kind of a little uh, brown, but it has little spots on it as well. So be on the lookout for those. Well, we have our uh, first first caller for the show this morning, and um, if you want to join the conversation, it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven MPB ring. And uh, Libby, Doctor Troy Major, let's welcome uh, Bill from Yazoo County into the um, into the show. Uh, Bill, uh, good morning. 
Good morning. Uh, <clears throat> by the way, before I make my comment, uh, Java, you did a great job DJing on uh, uh, Third Coast Radio a couple of weeks ago. Well, I appreciate uh, that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, what I wanted to say was uh, it's been about six or seven weeks now, right about the time the shut-in started. I lost my little thigh uh, uh, rat terrier. And uh, he was almost uh, 16, and uh, basically he died of old age. I had to put him down about his last day. And um, I just wanted to say how kind uh, the veterinarian and all the staff were because they knew him real well. He had boarded there and got all his treatment there. And um, I just wanted to... Thank all the vet people that do such a good job with our pets. Thank you. I'll listen off the radio. All right, uh, Bill. Uh, yeah, Bill. Thank you. Thank you for calling in this morning. I know that was a a hard uh, transition for you to lose your pet, Doctor Major. Uh, I know you can uh, speak to that. Um, uh, you know, uh, people losing their pets. You know, it, it is a it is a very uh, what shall I say uh, emotional time for most most people, obviously. And our goal with humane euthanasia is to make it uh, what shall I say as comfortable as we can for the pet, for the pet owner, and for us because you know you can't take this lightly. Uh, and the day that you start being callous about it or not having uh, empathy and understanding for the both the pet and the owner uh, it's, it's not a good day so we we really try to make it as comfortable uh, for the pet and uh, it's it's you know it is a very uh, emotional time and for someone that's had a pet for 16 years um, it is a member of the family and uh, it's uh, it is still an animal but it is definitely a member of the family and rightly so. Well, yeah, that is, that is true. I know anyone who's uh, my wife uh, lost her her um, long hair chihuahua some time ago, and it it was it was a trying time for um for for us all. Let's go ahead and um, take our first break of the hour. Uh, when we come back, we're going to welcome uh, Larry Bull, the assistant director of fisheries bureau at the of the fisheries bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, and he's here to talk about some of the changes uh, to fishing and the use of public water during COVID-19. So if you have a question or if you just want to get some great fishing tips, <laughs> call in 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. And when we come back, we'll be speaking with Larry Bull. Uh, also, Ethel from Diamond Head. Hang on the line. We uh, see your question, so don't go anywhere. This is Creature Conference right here on Think Radio.
You're listening to Creature Comforts right here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Kevin Farrell this morning with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And now on the line, we have our guest, Larry Bull. But before we get to Larry and talk all about angling and, and crickets and worms and, and, and trick baits, <laughs> let's talk with Ethel from Diamond Head, uh, who has a question about hummingbirds. Good morning, Ethel. <laughs> I have a really, it's it's a, like a... A, a regular normal question because it's just common sense. My birds and everything else, we have a drought in Diamond Head. We don't have here. <clears throat> We've got lots of rain. Oh, well, Brit, sh- shove it. Put it here, please. <laughs> what, what can I do? Just run the water every day? Um, are, do you have a, a any kind of a water dripper? In fact, no. I've got one that I we made. Have, I did have, but I didn't want to repair them again. And now I got the sprinklers. <laughs> yes, well, you yeah, you can do the sprinklers. They love that. That uses a lot more water. But if you're if what your plants need the water anyway, that's great. I've got okay. an old an old metal bucket with lots of character, and it's got a, a a tiny little hole punched in it, and it's dripping into. Uh, a pottery bowl in the yard, and every now and then the birds dip through that, and that's kind of fun to watch them take I've a little bath in there. Bath, but you know, and I hummingbirds bird like bath, it. You know who does that? They like the cat. Who does come look at it? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to make a cat feeding station, do you? So no, it's my neighbor. Be careful. doing that. <laughs> but I do it because I I like them to come see it. But I maybe I'll I'll take the bird bath out. <laughs> All right, Ethel. Yeah. Do okay. Well, Ethel, we um hopefully hopefully you can we can get you some some relief. We um uh, I don't know how we can make it undry in Diamond Head, but uh we appreciate you for joining joining the show this morning and uh, listening to Creature Comforts. Um, uh, Libby, you were funny saying you made a, a cat feeding station. I went to my parents' house the other day, and there was a um, a cat chasing around some baby um, baby hatchlings um, that just were trying to make their way through the world, but the cat was making it pretty difficult. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, this is when you when you notice that you're having birds fledging, leaving the nest, it's a really good idea to take um, any curious pets. Usually your dogs leave them alone, although I've had one little dog that, that gets too involved and wants to mouth them, you know, they, he wants to pick up the baby birds. But particularly your cats, if you'll take them inside and give those fledglings a just you know, an extra hour or two. It's really helpful. They're they they're learning to fly. You know, and when you think about it, you've got a little bird that's really it's gotten to be adult weight now. Its parents have been feeding it a lot. It's been stretching its wings and maybe hopping out on the the stems for a little while. But it doesn't know how to fly. And that first time it takes off, the first you know, maybe an hour or two, it may hit the ground. It's going to be right there on the low branches if it does make it up. So it's it's really helpful if you'll leave them alone. That's the most critical time in their lives, and that's when most little birds die. So it's it's nice to give them an extra chance, I think, by taking your pets in. 
Yeah, we had to actually help the, help the little bird out um, a little bit because it was flopping around close to the cars and stuff. But the mom and papa bird were doing a, a good job of keeping the cat at bay, I will say. But let's go ahead and uh, welcome Larry uh, Bull, Assistant Director of Fisher, of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, good morning. Glad to be here. We know you've um, been on the program before, but um, if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about your background and um, your role with the Wildlife Department. Oh, goodness. Well, I've uh, been with the department almost almost 25 years, uh, and uh, I'm a fisheries biologist. Uh, worked in the central part of the state before I moved into the Jackson office to take more of an administrative role. And how was um how was um your I guess maybe your role changed since the COVID nineteen everybody's you know switched up their work the work responsibility so to speak. Yes, uh, our Jackson office headquarters is closed to the public. Uh, most of us are working at home now and uh, trying to be safe. Uh, our field biologists are cut back on their activities as well. Um, you know, trying to reduce our interaction with the public as much as possible, but uh, we're still trying to do uh, some of the technical guidance that we do with private landowners and that kind of thing. So we're trying to maintain as much normalcy as we can, but uh, <laughs> but try to be safe as well. Now, I know we, we actually got a call when we first opened the phone lines this morning. I want to thank, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, Sharon uh, from Jackson. Uh, was talking about uh, fishing licenses. Are you guys still issuing uh, fishing licenses? Um, like I say, our Jackson office uh, headquarters is closed, and we have a license office in there. So obviously it is closed. Um, however, uh, people can still go to the usual retail outlets that sell licenses, uh, bait shops and some of your Walmart, some of these other kind of retail outlets that are still selling licenses. Um, uh, an individual can go online to our website and uh, purchase a license through our website. We also have a, an, a smartphone app that can be downloaded onto your smartphone and you can buy your license through that. So, uh, you still can get a license. Okay, and just to, I guess, put that information out there, who all needs a fishing license? If you want to fish, um, and uh, are the public state parks, lakes, and the state lakes open uh, now? Okay, that sounds like a, like a two- or three-part question. Um, <laughs> I'll start with the license requirements. Um, residents who are between the ages of 16 and 64 are generally required to have a license. The only exception to that is if you're 100% disabled through the Social Social Security Office or through uh, uh, Railroad Retirement Board. Uh, those folks are not required to have a license. They're exempt from that. They just have to carry proof on their person that they're 100% disabled. Um, so people that are 65 and older do not have to have a license. However, they do need to carry uh, proof of their age. And, you know, driver's license obviously is a good way to do that. Um, and anybody that's a non-resident that's 16 years or over must also have a license. Okay. And um, I, I guess um, 
my second question, uh, the second part of that question, are all um, state lakes open for fishing now? Yes, our state fishing lakes, most of the water bodies in the state are open to fishing. Um, and that does include our state fishing lakes and our state park lakes. Uh, those facilities, the only thing that is allowed is fishing. Uh, we are allowing bank fishing uh, as long as folks keep their six-foot distance, you know, six feet apart. And uh, people in boats can fish. Um, and all these these requirements are statewide as well. But uh, uh, the boat capacity now um, is either two people in a boat or half the maximum capacity of a boat. So, for example, there's a there's going to be a sticker on a boat hull. Usually, it's on the hull. Sometimes it may be on the console that provides the maximum capacity of the boat, and that's. It's the the max the capacity rating, if you will. So if the capacity is six people, you can have up to three people in that particular boat. And um, all most of the also all the fishing piers are closed as well. So at our state fishing lakes uh, and our park lakes, the fishing piers are closed uh, on Ross Barnett Reservoir. I know the fishing piers are closed as well. Okay, so but, fishing. Fishing piers are closed, but all um, state bodies, water bodies, are open for um, bank fishing and and boat fishing, just as long as you adhere to the um, uh, capacity of your boat rules. Oh, and right. what about and the boat launches? Are the boat launches open too? Well, in most cases, yes. There are a few exceptions, and I was going to talk about that too. Um, oh. For example, forest service lakes, most of those uh, lakes that are on forest service property are closed. Uh, I, there are, I know of two exceptions. One exception is, uh, Lake Okissa, which is down in Franklin County is open for fishing. Also Turkey Fork Lake in Greene County is open for fishing. Um, there are a few lakes that are closed. Uh, Eagle Lake over in Warren County, the public boat ramp is closed. Uh, Right now, it's closed through May the 4th because uh, uh, it's part of the uh, shelter-in-place order that was issued by Warren County Board of Supervisors. So that that particular ramp is closed. Um, and Ross Barnett Reservoir, one of the popular ramps in Pelachi Bay, uh, the ramp that's associated with Pelachi Bay Shore Park is closed because that park is closed. So there's a few places, you know, like I say, that are closed, but most most water bodies are open. And these, um, uh, I'm pretty sure people can visit the uh, Department of Fisheries uh, um, website, I guess, to get these uh, these rules and guidelines. Um, we're posting information that we we have. Uh, we don't have information about the Forest Service lakes on our website. Uh, we do have information about the Ross Barnett Reservoir closings as well as Eagle Lake. Um, Libby, you did ask about other about boat launches being open. There are the other issue is floodwaters and high water in some of the areas of the state. So uh, not only is the ramp closed at Eagle Lake because of the the shelter in place water, but getting to Eagle Lake is difficult because some of the there's flooding in the backwater areas. 
on the uh, float control reservoirs in the north part of the state, our uh, premier crappie lakes that we talk about all the time, Sardis, Grenada, Enid, and Arca Butler lakes. The water levels are high in those reservoirs, so some of the ramps are closed there as well. Um, I would suggest anybody that wants to go fishing at one of those lakes, uh, uh, there's an office associated with each lake that's operated by the Corps of Engineers, and uh, you can find their phone numbers on their websites and call their office to find out what ramps are open and what ramps are closed. Because all those lakes are above above where they're supposed to be this time of year. So like you say, they do have some ramps that are closed. And if you're just joining us, we're talking with Larry Bull, Assistant Director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And we're talking about uh, some of the uh, new guidelines um, when it comes to fishing during this this time with lake closures and um, lake reopenings. Um, But let's go to the phone lines, and we have uh, Sue from Beaumont who wants to join the conversation, one of our good friends. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. I'd like to ask a question about something I've seen on Facebook. It's about I don't I think they call it canoodling. It's uh you go you catch a catfish barehanded and there's even some kind of traps that you can make where the catfish will go in there and then you're waiting at the other end and can pull it out. And uh some of those people are, are catching real big catfish like that, but they have to go in the water and pull the catfish out and do it all by hand. Do you have to have a license for that? And it's supposedly it's becoming a more and more popular sport and i just wondered if you have to have a license for that uh yes ma'am you do uh that's called hand grabbing and we actually have a season for that as well uh but you do have to have a sport fishing license to to hand grab and catch catfish with that method uh like i say there is a season that runs opens may 1st it opens tomorrow and it runs through july the 15th what kind of danger it seems like that would be very dangerous you know what about there's snakes and things in the in the well i mean it yeah it's the risk you take some people <laughs> <laughs> you know it depends on where you're where you're uh, hand grabbing i mean the typically snakes aren't going to be under the water but obviously if you're hand grabbing along a river bank and in an undercut of, uh, under a bank area you might there might be a snake on the bank itself close by uh, some people put out uh, what would they call catfish boxes. And that may be kind of what you were referring to earlier. Uh, a wooden box that they make with a with right. an opening in it, and the catfish will go into that to spawn. And the reason that they they use those areas or that box is because they are cavity spawners. So they like to be in something. They like to be in a log, a hollow log, or under between two logs, or some kind of like I say cavity or or area that they feel protected where they're going to spawn. And that's where folks generally will find catfish during the spawning season and hand grab. That's interesting. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining yes, us. Thank you for joining us uh, today, Sue. We're going to go ahead and take our second break for the hour. And when we come back, we're going to continue with uh, Larry Bull. And we're going to talk about what's what's actually biting this time of year. If you want to go out fishing, um, where, where to catch some of these fish um, throughout the state. So if you have a question about what you want to maybe catch this morning on your line, give us a call, one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two 
888-888-7464. Also, Dr. Troy Major is here. If you have any pet questions today, I'm Java Chapman here with Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and I guess for the hour, Larry Bull from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. More Creature Comforts after the break. Mike Duke, Director of Radio Reading Service of Mississippi. Happy 50th anniversary, MPB. Good morning. This is Creature Comforts right here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and I guess for the day... Larry Bull from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And if you miss any part of today's program, you can always listen back via podcast using any podcasting app. Just search Creature Comforts or what I feel is the best way. Download the MPB public media app. You don't have to subscribe to anything. It's already right there in the palm of your hand. And uh, Larry, let's go ahead and jump back into the phone lines because I got one coming Right for you is Becky in Fulton, and she wants to know what's biting. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. How are you? All right. What's your question this morning? Well, first of all, I want to know what was biting in Fulton and, uh, you know, the to- uh, 10 Tom, but also I want to know what what uh, what kind of fish that, he, that, that y'all like to eat, that, which is the best kind to eat. I mean, I like catfish, but, I mean, as far but. You know, it's been ages since I've eaten brim or crappie or anything like that, and I've heard, you know, I just wonder what, you know, what y'all like to eat. Well, go ahead, Larry. First, tell her what's 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 biting out there in Fulton. Well, we're talking about on the Tin Tom Waterway, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, we have official reports that kind of on our webpage under fishing and boating. And right. uh, some of the the lakes that are on the Tin Tom Waterway are, are listed there. Um, this time of year, you know, we're probably looking at the crappie spawn. The crappie spawn winding down on that lake, and and uh, I would probably suggest fishing for catfish or maybe brim. It'll be time uh, for brim to start spawning in May. Uh, would be a good choice to to fish for. And as uh, as far as what I like to eat, uh, uh, crappie are fine. I like to eat brim. I've eaten bass and catfish, too. So um, I, I don't know if I have a preference. I think crappie and brim are probably my favorite two fish, fish to eat, at least freshwater okay. fish. Okay. Now i got to figure out how to cook it. <laughs> I catch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, um, uh, Becky, tune into uh, Deep South Dining. I know we've talked uh, fishing on the on the show with Malcolm White, Carol Puckett, Deep South Dining. It's every Monday morning at 9 right here on MPB Think Radio. 
<laughs> I'll listen to that. So thank you, sir. I'll, I'll just check back. I mean, I'll listen to the, ask, call and ask them something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, appreciate you joining us this morning, Becky. And uh, that was the kind of the next direction that I was going to go in, uh, Larry, talking about what uh, people can be catching around the around the state. I guess I'll um, bring it. She was um, in Fulton. I can bring it back to, I guess, the Ross Burnett Reservoir, um, closer to the Metro Jackson area. Uh, what, what what are people catching over there? Well, I mean, that's, this is a great time of year to fish, the springtime. Um, the crappie are biting. Uh, the, the, probably the spawn is winding down here on, on Ross Barnett Reservoir as well. But people are still catching fish as those uh, crappies start to move into deeper water. Uh, the bass fishing is good also. Um, like I said earlier, we're going to have... Uh, catfish spawn, they'll start spawning in May, so they're moving around. Um, it's a good time to fish for catfish. And also the, the bluegill uh, will start to bed in May and uh, be a great time to start fishing for, for some of the brim species as well. Now, i got to ask Dr. Major this because he, even though I've been with this show uh, quite a while, I can't – Dr. Major, do you do you get out on the bank sometime and fish? Not recently, yeah. I, you know, as a kid and uh, young adult, uh, we had stock ponds and fairly good size, little small lake, and you can find some pretty good fishing in these small small ponds and lakes, actually. And in my thoughts, usually in just about every pond of any size, if you have a good balance, you're gonna have some big bass in there as well. So it's fun, uh, but no, I haven't had opportunity to fish much lately. Okay, well, I know um, uh, I haven't uh, pulled out the rod and reel in a while, but I know we've been talking about how everyone's cooped up inside but uh, because things are closed, but the outside is still open for business. So I think I may um, take a take a trip to Walmart and get my get a get a nice rod and reel just to kind of relax and uh, and get back on the banks. Um, Larry, what are some of those, I guess, maybe. Hidey holes that people may not think about are some great places to get some get some fishing. Everybody wants to be kind of socially distant. So, do, are, there, are there any kind of hidden gems <laughs> around the state? Well, you know, I, I, I put together a little bit of a list in the Jackson area. Not, not only do we have Ross Barnett Reservoir, um, and bank fishing opportunities are somewhat limited on the reservoir, particularly because the fishing piers are closed. Uh, so, if you don't have a boat. About the only place along Barnett that you can fish is people can pull along, pull off uh, uh, the Natchez Trace and, and park and, and fish off the bank there. Typically, folks are fishing for catfish when they do that. But uh, there's a there's a uh, about a thirty acre lake called Mays Lake in Lafleur's Bluff State Park, right there off Lakeland Drive. Uh, great place to go bank fishing. Um, and also down in Byram, we, there's about a 40-acre lake called Lake Dockery that has some bank fishing access. And it also has a boat ramp. Uh, however, you can't use an outboard motor on the uh, – if you're on that lake, you can use a trolling motor, though. So those, those are some other areas within Jackson that you can fish. Uh, there's Crystal Lake also in Flowood. Not a lot of bank access, but there is some uh, – uh, there is a boat ramp. Um, it does close periodically if the Pearl River gets high. Uh, it's a city park that's operated by the city of Flowood. 
that lake is an old oxbow lake off the, the Pearl Rivers. So there's all kinds of fish species in it. Uh, our state fishing lakes, like I say, they're open for fishing. Uh, we've been getting some good reports from Neshoba County Lake. Uh, catfish being caught, 10 to 15 pound range, and also some nice bass, up to 10 pounds being caught at uh, Neshoba County Lake. Heard of some good catches at Lake Monroe in Monroe, Monroe County. Uh, brim catches, uh, like I say, the brim are going to start bedding pretty soon. So uh, it's a great time of year to fish. Now that catfish in Neshoba County, I think I may okay. Now you now you're speaking speaking my language. Now when we um talking about um going out going out fishing, are you I guess it comes down to personal preference and this is always one of my favorite questions. Is it crickets or worms or are you using kind of the, the, the specialty baits? Well, if I'm if I'm targeting bluegill, I'm gonna fish with a cricket. Um, if I want to catch, there's other brim species, red ear sunfish, which typically it's more common to catch on a worm. Uh, you think of using worms for catfish, uh, I think primarily channel catfish, uh, other species of catfish like blue catfish, typically cut bait, um, like shad or something like that. Um, you know, if I was going to take my family out and trying to catch some fish, I would use live bait, um, maybe minnows for crappie. If I was going to try to crappie fish, if I had some young kids with me, um, go the live bait route, the minnows or the, the crickets, and I think that's easier for young kids to fish with. Yeah. Now, how about those um, uh, electronic devices? Is that is that is that? Do you consider that cheating? <laughs> Oh, you mean all the the depth finders and and they're getting they're getting more and more sophisticated. That's for sure. Um, no, I don't. I wouldn't say it's cheating. It you know it's 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 pretty amazing though with the technology that's available to these fishermen now. Uh, my understanding, I haven't seen it personally, but there's some some technology that scans called LiveScope that you can almost see. You you pretty much can see your lure in the water and see the fish hit the lure so like i say it's getting pretty sophisticated that's for sure yeah now that that is the truth that's always just kind of fun to me the way we've come from you know i guess just traditional uh rod and reel with your live bait to the specialty baits with you know i guess the the artificial kind and then you can go all the way to the computerized depth finders it's just just amazing to me but if we can backtrack a little bit i know with the reservoir and you were speaking of some of the other lakes that are closed due to to flooding and things like that um i know giant salvina is that is that still a concern on the um on the reservoir that invasive uh plant species um, it is still a concern. It was confined to Pelachi Bay. Um, I'm glad to say that we have not found any live plants this spring, and our crews have been working and looking for it in Pelachi Bay. Um, we're going to keep an eye on it throughout the growing season to see if we do find any plants that may pop up. But uh, uh, so far, so good. And uh, that does bring up a point. I did. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, the uh, the causeway uh, at one time was closed off to boating. Uh, the Pila- the causeway, the bridge that goes over Pilachi Bay and allows boats to tra- to move from Pilachi Bay to the main lake of the reservoir is now opened up. Uh, 
there are some booms in place that kind of a, a floating barrier to kind of protect uh, um, the main lake from salvinium floating through the bridge but uh, it's there's a uh, the booms are set up so the boat traffic can go through the bridge now. So I think that's a lot of people were uh, anxious to get that bridge opened up so folks could could travel back and forth between the bay and the main lake, and that that has been done. So um, I do want to let folks know that too. Okay. Well, we're speaking with Larry Bull, Assistant Director of Fisher, of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. And before we take our uh, next break, Larry, um, if someone has been, you know, we've all been socially distant and uh, some have not even been out of the house because they are working from home um, and they are cooped up, things are starting to be relaxed. State parks and state lakes are opening, but uh, they are not fishers, fishermen, but they want to get into it. So so what are some some uh, uh, general tips and um, equipment they would need to to go ahead and just try to get started? Well, I, I guess if I was a beginning angler, I would probably try to choose, uh, you know, to try to fish for something that's relatively easy to catch. And I, I kind of go back to brim and catfish because I'm going to use uh, live bait for um uh, to try to catch those fish species. And, um, uh, you know, you can go to Walmart or a, a tackle store and you can buy a pretty inexpensive spin, what's called a spin casting rod. Zebco is a, is a brand that's particularly easy for kids to use. Um, uh, you know, you need your fishing pole, you need your, your hook and your weight and maybe, uh, a bobber, a float, um, and some live bait, and you can get out there and try to catch some fish. Okay. Crickets or some worms and try to catch some fish. Say just pretty pretty simple like that. Go go to Walmart, get you a jet coat and, and some worms from out your yard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you can do it relatively inexpensively and, and still have a lot of fun. Well, I know that's the truth. Libby, we're gonna have to uh put your birds on a on a break as we uh <laughs> take this take this break right now. Let's uh go ahead and um um take our last break for the hour. Uh I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield and her birds, and uh Larry Bull, assistant director of Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Parks. We'll be back to wrap up the show after the break. If you still wanna join us, one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is Creature Comfort. Some Java Chapman joined today, as always, by Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. And we have been speaking with Assistant Director of the Fisheries Bureau at the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks, Mr. Larry Bull. And to end our show, we have a slew of calls. And we're going to start with Sherry in Tippa County, uh, Sherry, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. Yes, what's your um, question this morning? I think you want to talk about kayaks? Yes. Are they allowed on the parks at this time, park lakes? Are kayaks allowed on our... Yes, ma'am, they are. 
what I need to do. And you'll have to pay. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, We'll have to pay what? Pay a launch fee, just like you would if you were in a a, a bigger boat, but uh, the kayaks are allowed. Okay, great. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us this morning, uh, Sherry. How, uh, uh, Larry, do, you, do we see a lot of kayaks on the water? Uh, more and more. We sure do. Um, we're seeing uh, uh, more people fishing out of kayaks. And, yes, it's, it's much more popular the last few years. Okay. All right. Well, um, let's keep on the phones. As we say, we're wrapping up the program. Let's talk with Craig from Biloxi. Good morning, Craig. Hey, good morning. Uh, I was wondering if he knew how to worm grunt, like uh, Gestalt Gardner was telling. Oh yeah, Larry, we um, we uh, on the Gestalt Gardener Friday mornings at nine o'clock on MPB Think Radio. We're talking about worm grunting. Have you have you heard of that before? No, <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't think so. Is that where you put a stick in the ground and rub and- a stick against the another stick? Exactly. That's that's exa- that's exactly it. Worm grunting and uh, yeah, yeah. You put notches. You put a bunch of notches on one stick and you rub it back and forth. Okay. Somewhere I ran across that recently, and I can't remember where I I heard about that. Um. Uh, but anyway, I've I've never done it myself. Well, and I was wondering if there is a lot of alligators up around these freshwater places. Oh, in some places, yes. Uh, Ross Barnett Reservoir has lots of alligators. You're going to see alligators along the Pascua River as well. Um, they, they're pretty widespread across the state. Obviously, some areas not uh, not as populated with alligators, but um, you, you can find them. You sure can. Well, what kind of, um, I guess, just off the top of your head, I guess, what kind of precautions um, should people be looking for uh, with alligators? Well, the first rule of thumb is you never feed alligators. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of give, pay respect to them, kind of give, you know, stay away from them. There's no sense trying to aggravate them or, or um, uh, you know, get close to them. I just... I love seeing them when I'm out fishing or whatever. You know, if I'm out, I enjoy enjoy seeing them, but I keep my distance. Okay, well, there you go. Enjoy in, enjoy from a distance, from the words of Larry Bull. <laughs> uh, let's <laughs> yes. go, let's keep moving on on the phones. We have um, um, uh, Kathleen from Osaka wants to join us. Good morning, Kathleen. Well, good morning to you, and it's a pretty day, so I'm going to give you a quick little solution to a lot of little problems you had there today. Okay, the lady with the birds wanting water, get an old oaken barrel. You find them at nurseries and different places. You make a layer of peat, sand, and rocks, about two inches each. Fill it slowly. You can start by putting in uh, wild leaf lettuce that you find in the pond and different little water plants. You can gradually add some fish and stuff. And the kids in the neighborhood can come with a, an old mayonnaise jar or canning jar, and they look through it into the barrel, and they can get to see the fish, the little worm, whatever they have in there, wild little minnows or whatever. They don't have to be fancy, but they get the biggest kick out of it. And the birds like to land on the little flowers in there and drink the water and play and bathe and do their little thing, too. 
I call it Bayou in a Bucket. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> well appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for that one, Kathleen. Bayou in a Bucket. I don't think I've ever, ever heard that before. Um, Larry, before we get you out of here, um, I know you want to talk about the web page um, or the website where you can um, get things such as like the fishing reports and even uh, your bait shop locations. Yes, that's correct. Uh, on our website, ndwfp.com, you can, under the, the banner that says fishing and boating, uh, we have uh, fishing reports that are updated weekly. Uh, those reports are for uh, um, some most of the major water bodies in the state and our state fishing lakes and uh, that kind of thing. We also have a, a, a link to uh, ramps and tiers and where you can find where boat ramps are located around the state as well as fishing piers. And also on that same, there's an interactive map that shows these ramps, but you can also find bait shops on that particular map. So if you need a place to find bait or probably buy a fishing license at most of those uh, bait shops as well. So uh, those are some of the resources available to anglers to, to um, help find, get information about fishing. Okay, well, we will send people over to the website, mdwfp.com, and just click on the fishing and boating banner. I'm looking at it right now. It's a very pretty website. Got a nice little book right there on the front, and uh, also updates about um, the MDWFP's response to COVID-19. We want to thank Larry Bull for joining us today. I'm Java Chapman, and Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funded and provided in part by listeners like you. Now, if you want to hear today's show or previous shows, you can always visit our website, mpbonline.org, or subscribe to the podcast using any podcasting app. For Libby Hartfield, Dr. Troy Major, and our guest, Larry Bull, I'm Java Chapman. And coming up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady, auto mechanic, Allison Walker. Tune in next Thursday at 9 for more Creature Comforts, only on MPB Think Radio.